This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. My name is Nick, and I still have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 3 of the AMC series, titled Gonna Hurt... While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 3, Episode 3. So pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also g2tpodcast on Twitter and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think of our show. And share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K, who's pledged at the level of $10 per month. Uh, corrections are, I guess, revisiting something. Nick, you brought up the fact that you thought there was a dog bark in the word attempt that uh mm-hmm. jesse jesse has on the road in season three episode two yes and i went back and listened to it and yeah it does sound like there's is a there okay good it. it sounds like it at least like you could see it being one of the sounds that they mix into it but i don't know if it's meant to have like a a tie to the fact that god is in man dog form at this point in time or not but yeah it's interesting i think that to me anyway i, I took it as God is part of the problem mm. in this situation. Like God is working actively to keep Genesis at bay. And I think this episode confirms that. Yes. But not in the way that I imagine. Okay. Interesting. But we'll talk more about that later in my favorite scene from this episode. All right. Uh, so we did get a whole lot of feedback this week. So thank you, everybody. Woo-hoo. We got an email from Robin. Robin says, hi, Nick and our Alex and Nick. I started listening to you near the end of Preacher's second season. I only just started reading the book after watching the first two seasons. And it's great to hear comments about both without spoilers. Awesome. Yes. Uh, regarding the Jesse slash Tulip slash Cassidy triangle, y'all seemed a little annoyed with Cassidy this last episode for his interest in Tulip. I do miss the camaraderie of last season, but it seems this is where the writers were headed from the beginning since they had... Uh, Cassidy fall for her in such a big way so early on. It also makes sense for Cass to be a a bit pissed off with Jesse at this point. You could see him starting to get fed up with Jesse last season, even before Tulip died. After all, Cassidy was the one who was with Tulip while Jesse was out looking for God in New Orleans. It was played up a lot in the episode where Jesse met Featherstone as the jazz singer, and when Tulip was grabbed by Victor and went missing, it was Cassidy who was worried, and it took Jesse way too long to clue into the situation. And Cassidy believes he could have saved Tulip, avoided her death, and this whole Angelville mess they're in now if it weren't for Jesse. I don't accept, ex- expect Tulip will ever reciprocate, and I'm afraid Cassidy will end up making some major sacrifice for both of them, but that'll make him kind of a tragic hero, which is something I think Joe Gilgan could pull off beautifully. As effed up as Cassidy is, Gilgan gives him so much heart in the that in the Jesse slash Cassidy scenes, I find myself rooting for Cassidy, at least for now. Mm. One great thing about these characters is that I can imagine any of them going off in some horrible direction at any time. Um, and she says, I do think the trail will reach some kind of detente eventually, assuming, fingers crossed, nothing happens to Cassidy. <laughs> 
I think that's a very good point. Um, I think because season two is not as fresh in my mind, I find myself getting annoyed with Cassidy more than I probably should be. Okay. Although I do enjoy having every... Like, I remember complaining last season, like, I don't like it when these guys don't get along. Yeah. Because I think there's so much out there for them to face together Uh that having them also fighting with each other Mm -hmm. might detract from from some of the fun and also some of the conflict of the other you know bigger players in the situation so i don't know if you have any other thoughts on that but is it the end of the email that's not the end of the email but i did want to comment on yeah uh i think that i i still maintain my I don't want to say that I'm annoyed with it, but I, I think it's going in a direction that I don't necessarily want it to. But I will f- openly and freely admit that my entire perception of all this is 100% colored by my the knowledge of the book. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because the dynamic between those three characters in the book is so perfect. Mm-hmm. It is perfect from the start to the very last page. And deviation from that to me is a little is scary because I feel like that relationship is really at the core of the book throughout. Yeah. And the, the way the things those characters say and do to themselves and to each other are often influenced by that dynamic. And it's such a, it's such a strong triangle that (laughs) it, I just made a weird triangle shape with my hands Uh, that it really like, it's nice to have that in the book because no matter what external stuff is swirling around, you know how those characters are going to react. Mm-hmm. And like I've said before, and I, it won't be the last time I say it, it makes you feel like you're, you know them too. There are some like mid to late in the book reveals and, and more information that comes your way about all three characters that shifts all that in a way and it's really cool as a reader and really challenging because you have to decide how you feel about the characters then if you maintain your same relationship with them, so to speak, or if you are going to adjust based on... The, it, it just basically puts you in the position of, if these are my friends and I learned this about them, yeah, how would I feel? How would I react? My friend, Would my friendship be put to the test as well? And I want the show to still have that same challenge, even if they're going to go in different directions i accept that and i and i endorse it because the show has already gone in so many different directions while retaining the the core spirit of the book which i think is incredible yeah but i want the same challenge for the viewers that the readers are presented with and i think that some of the hints of the directions that all three of them are going sometimes especially in relation to each other make me nervous because i'm afraid that a char- certain characters and certain inter uh, group relationships will change enough from the book that those same challenges won't exist. And that kind of bums me out because it's going to, it's a, it's going to make you have to read the book. Sorry, Alex, but you're going <laughs> to, but then you won't experience that the same way that I did and everyone else who has read the book. So Robin, I'm curious is what you got to do. Finish reading if you want, or if you're going to kind of read along with the show to kind of, you know, or if you're just going to shoot straight through. Either way, when you finish, if you finish, write in and just like in the subject, like say book spoilers or whatever so Alex doesn't read yeah. it. Because I'm, I, will, I would love to hear what you think about the end of the book and if it's going to color your perception of the show at all and, and how all three characters kind of in, interact with each other. 
So that's about all I can say. But um, yeah, you've always maintained that if the change makes sense in the end, then you're okay yes. with it. We just don't know that yet because yeah. we're not at the end. You know, and, and in, in my opinion, and I think this is, I know this is controversial actually because I have another friend who's a who's a huge preacher fan and hates the ending, mm. hates it so much and says i've only read the last like five issues of preacher once when it originally was like coming out and i hated it so much i'll never read it again (laughs) i love it i think it sticks the ending interesting i think it sticks the landing and it's perfect i think it's absolutely perfection and so obviously i don't want to see it change but it may change for the better i don't know they might make it better they might make it they might make something different that makes more sense for the show and i'm I'm completely open to it because i'll always have the book but I love oh, it's so it's totally unrelated, sort of related, I guess. But it is so much fun to ask comic fans, what do you think about the ending? About yeah. like series like this and like why The Last Man is another hot hot button one that uh, really gets people riled up. And we might have a show of that coming. And <laughs> yeah. if it does, oh my God. But like <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn actually is pretty polarizing in his endings. His fans often get really riled. Like when Saga ends, oh my God, it's going to be a disaster. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I love the ending of Preacher and I would love to see it remain intact. But... I'm totally open to whatever comes. Interesting. Uh, Robin also went on to say regarding Betty Buckley, I'm not sure if you guys know, but she's been very big in Broadway musical theater for decades. She won a Tony in the 80s and I think has been nominated many more times. She was also on the TV show Eight is Enough in the late 70s or early 80s, which I'm old enough to remember seeing as a kid. Uh, No, thank you for that that context. She has, you know, even in this episode, she has that air about her. There was one moment in this episode where I was like, man, she reminds me of Judy Dench. And it's not because Mm -hmm. she really resembles her in any in any particular way, but she just has this like this aura about her. And like, like you're like, whoa, actor. Like, yeah, that's an act. (laughs) That's an old school actress. That's someone who's going to walk on set and just like is just business and yeah. just gonna run the room and that's awesome i that's the thing is that i feel like i know her name well i just don't really know why i know i feel <laughs> so I, think, I feel bad if this if this is like some get for preacher like wow we got betty buckley <laughs> i feel really stupid for not knowing who she is yeah yeah but she definitely has this stage she seems presence. quite venerable yes yeah exactly so even if we don't know her which i guess is fantastic for yeah. her i love but. hearing when like actors have a theater background i think that's cool yeah i've said before on i don't know what show now because they all are muddling together but <laughs> that i'm not a huge theater person yep. but i do recognize like there is there is a background that the theater can give actors that is different from like tv yeah. and and uh things that work film. in theater work differently than in yeah film, and sometimes so. they can really bolster an actor into something really powerful uh robin ended with thanks for a thoughtful and enjoyable podcast you're quite welcome robin thank you for listening to thanks us. for a lovely email yes uh we i love when, a, i love i love all of our our fan mail and it feels consistent that everybody who writes in has some really great point that i haven't considered yeah and they really back up their perspective in a way that is uh is irrefutable yes uh, everybody who writes in is usually quite thoughtful and mm-hmm. and ver- verbose so it's it's pretty fantastic yeah uh, Mark did tweet at us. He said, my daughter's been watching the show along with my wife and I, and she was inspired to buy the first several books. Needless to say, I'll be reading up on them as well. Oh, cool. Glad to have the podcast back. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Mark. Another reader for Preacher. Awesome. You're welcome. Another, uh, you're uh, welcome, Garth. Yeah. <laughs> I I will be really interested to hear what he thinks. Yeah. Yeah. As always, if anybody wants to talk to Nick about the book, you can either join our Discord, which there is a book spoilers uh, channel that people can go and talk about all the book sto- spoilers Yeah, which they right want. now Tim is just posting Mamma Mia songs yes. in, so we need yeah, some actual Yeah, and it's sad book- because it's <laughs> hidden from me. Um, 
Oh, is it? That's amazing. <laughs> well, it's not hidden from me, but you, I, I you could try, read it. Yes, I, okay. I try not to go in there in, in case somebody does talk yeah. about book stuff in there. But no, I'm I'm currently um, doing a pseudo re, a, a very slow but steady reread uh, that I started with uh, the Angelville arc. So I would love to kind of talk with somebody who's reading concurrently as well. Yeah, and and if you. Uh, do not have the five dollars a month to give us you can always send us an email with uh book spoilers in the subject and the the, the term book spoilers not actual book spoilers in the subject mm-hmm. and i will know <laughs> not to look at it and inform please don't do that don't ruin anything for <laughs> I, Alex. I can inform nick that he can he can check it out but all right a uh, couple other quick emails joseph wrote in he said last week i felt everyone was treading water and the and ended the episode pretty much where they started uh, I had a lot more fun this week watching Tulip, Jessie, Jesse, Cassidy, and the Langels and Boyds all scheming, mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying seeing some of the details of the Voodoo and the Langel Boyd rivalry get revealed. Yeah, I would uh, agree. Yeah. I liked. I didn't dislike last week, but I liked this week a lot. Yeah. Uh, he says, "I'm not sure why Tulip or Jesse are fond of Cassidy, which is why I assumed he had already used the love spell. He's a junkie vampire, nice guy who has basically told them all." told them that since tulip slept with him he's not going to give up until she's his girlfriend he's hilarious when he's not declaring his romantic obsession but i'd be curious to hear other hear people's opinions of him as a person that is interesting mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of character uh character discussion of cassidy although like cassidy does some pretty crazy stuff for jesse in season one at it's least true. absolutely so i you know i think i think if he wants to be a good friend, he can be a good friend. But and that was back before he knew Tulip and Jesse. I think pretty soon we're gonna need some Cassidy background. Yeah, it doesn't take forever in the comic to get a little bit of background on him. So I think that viewers are gonna are gonna need that pretty soon because that's a great that's a great question. Yeah, and a great point to raise is like why are we rooting for him other than that he's. He's charismatic. Mm-hmm. The, the portrayal is very charismatic, thanks to Joe Gilgan. Yeah, uh, I think the um, the weird thing about the three of them is like, even from the start in the books, it just works, and you don't. It's one of those things that you don't really know why. Because yeah, when you look at it on paper, you're like, these three people, what are they doing? Like, yeah. what are they doing together? But I think that's kind of the point: is that. You've got to. I mean, you do have to know about their three backgrounds, and and we know uh, at this point the most about Jesse's background, and and we learned a lot more about Tulip very quickly in the season, which has been great, and we yeah. know about their background together, and that's why we the missing piece of the puzzle is kind of a little bit more about Cass, and you know you kind of have to think like all three of these characters are, they're very unique in the world. There's mm-hmm. really no one else like any of the three of them, and I think that's kind of part of the magic is it's kind of that like. Gar- is a weird movie to invoke but kind of that guardians of the galaxy thing where like they don't really fit with anyone else yeah. like, they just they just work together and it's one of those things that you know it, it's a testament to how um, incredible the casting is like the all three of these guys just they seem to click off camera too mm-hmm. and they're the three of them look good together like they like they complement each other physically yeah uh which is awesome like th- that's a that's a thing like in the there's another weird example that just popped in my head, but in the pilot for the A team, there was originally a different face man. Mm. And he actually got recast right after the pilot, not because like he was bad. He is, he's not as good as Dirk Benedict, but he's too tall. Like yeah. that was the problem. They were like, he's way too tall. He looks <laughs> weird opposite the other three. And and George Papard and um 
I feel bad for forgetting uh, Murdoch's real name because I think he's great. But anyway, they're not short dudes, and neither is Mr. T. But this guy was like, he was like a tall, lean dude, and he just looked weird. And I've watched the pilot for that show, and I was like, oh my God, it's horrible. Like, <laughs> it just looks odd. And so, like, physicality is a thing, especially in an ensemble. You need people that look like they belong together. Yeah. Or like they don't, if that's the point. Anyway. These guys look great on the show, off the show. They all work together. The writing makes the characters work together. But you do, you do kind of need a little bit of information on Cass's background too. Yeah, and I, I, I can totally understand being a little bit like, mm, why exactly do they click? But at the end of the day, you're never going to be a hundred percent sure. There's, there's a little bit of magic to it that like they just work, and uh, the show captures that really well because the yeah. books do too. Like I said, as soon as it starts, you are literally thrown into the action in the comic. Like they're sitting in a diner and talking and you're, I remember the first time I read it, I was so confused. I was like, wait, is there like a, is there an issue zero or something yeah. that establishes how they get there? And then it kind of gets there eventually. But you look at them and even just the way they look on the page, you're like, huh? But then it just clicks and it just works. So it's just kismet, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Joseph's third point, he says it sounded like Mark Harlick was starting to break into demon voice a couple of times. So hopefully that wasn't God. I'm unspoiled and was really into the mystery plot from season one of what's up with Genesis and why God is missing. If it turns out that God is kind of a creepy asshole or some kind of scared loser, then it better be done very well because I find the idea to be very disappointing in any version I can imagine. <laughs> Nick is nodding. Don't say it. There's something you, you're thinking about a way to say. Right. Have we? Have I not talked about... Have I thought we've talked about this. Like why God is missing. Um, have we not... I think we've like touched on it, but I, oh, I swear I don't, we have. I don't think we have quite. Wow. Okay. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll err on the side of caution. Okay. Yeah. Right no, now, we're not going to talk about it now. But, but now I'm like, I'm kind of like. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I I don't think the show has come out and stated why. No, no. I thought I had talked about it though, like in season one, because I know that. I know I had talked about Jesse's like thesis or jesse's like main drive in the sh- in the book and i know that i had said in see i think in season one of our show like i'm waiting for jesse to get to this point and i don't know now i'm questioning though actually with this episode i was questioning has jesse said those words because tulip says them in this episode. i'm gonna kick god's ass yeah, yeah. he says it at the finale he of season says one in the finale of season one okay for sure. well he says that i'm going to find god to see if he needs help and if he doesn't need help i'm going to kick his ass okay. is what is what is said in, in the finale of season one okay so that, well i'm really glad you brought that up because i if this is something I need to dance around, then now I know because I thought I had spoken pretty openly about at least in the books what's going on. Yeah. But maybe not, and that's fine. That's, I, I that's think actually I cool. think you've kept it pretty close, which is all right. The right call at the moment. I I'm think. glad that we're sniffing around this then because there's definitely a lot of a lot of hints dropped in that scene in the conversation between Tulip and God. Interesting. So, yeah, it's a pretty loaded scene if you know. It, yeah. You know oh, what's well, going on. it seemed quite loaded, but I was also kind of like I don't know exactly. Okay. Okay. to pay attention to yet but okay thank you joseph for the email thanks joseph. we do have one more from our friend is, Bruce. A, is that it was that original joseph yes okay yes Man. he's also on the the discord yeah, as yeah. Well. okay i'm gonna i'm gonna get onto that discord then later we're gonna talk there you go uh bruce wrote in he said just hey just touching base again episode three was once again pretty good and they've been doing a good job of pacing out the plot development i thought for sure that there would be at least one more episode of jesse trying to hide what cassidy is but it's already come out Speaking of Cassidy, he's one of the most intriguing things this season. He wasn't around in Angelville. He wasn't around in Angelville in the comics, so he's quite the wild card now. 
That's interesting. It is, yeah. Interesting Good. thought. Thanks for bringing it up, Chris. Uh, they also seem to be playing the backstory a little bit based on Jesse's comments about his mother when he was talking to Jody. I'm curious to see where that's going. And while they're spending a lot of time at Angelville, the house and surrounding estate are less claustrophobic than the tiny apartment from season two, so there's less danger of monotony setting in, at least so far. Uh, Also, it's nice to see that the show isn't quite done with Mark Harlick yet. That whole (laughs) conversation between Tulip and God was just great. (laughs) Anyway, keep up the good work, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Lots of great uh, emails and feedback this week. Uh, So thank you very much for everybody who wrote in. Bruce. <laughs> I just always get stoked hearing from Bruce. Master Bruce. Yes. Master Bruce. <laughs> I'll file you. <laughs> All right. Let's get on with our recap. Uh, so, the teaser. Tulip hastily drives to the Grail HQ in New Orleans to try and make good on her messing up Jesse's plan to get his soul back. But when she arrives, she finds the whole place is empty. On her way back to Angelville, she gets stopped by Man Dog God, and we learn he looks just like Mark Harlick. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Fake God. God. <laughs> yes, fake God, as we know him. Uh, God thanks Tulip, despite the fact that she failed, saying it was all by design and that it was the curse of the O'Hares. Tulip questions why God is hanging out in Louisiana, but God dodges her questions and smites Tulip, only to have her pledge to find him and kick his ass. Yeah, so there was a lot here. Number one, I as soon like I didn't even finish the episode. I went into the Discord and was like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad we get to talk about Mark Harlick." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you have said in the past that in the book, God has a very John Wayne like appearance. At least I don't uh, know, maybe not appearance, but like I know you said that that Jesse has like not hallucinations, but like daydreams of John Wayne mm-hmm. or something like that. And I thought at one point you had said that God's like appearance was John Wayne E. But I guess what I'm trying to get at here is what do you think about the fact that it is Mark Harlick? Oh, it's it's great. <laughs> it's before we even talk about no, we'll talk about that. It's really fun. It's a really cheap way out of it. <laughs> it's a really it's a really easy way to be like this is who's playing God. Yeah, it's really fun. But the line that was by design it was really funny. I was like, wait. <laughs> Was Mark Harlick created in the image of God? <laughs> is that what the show is putting forth? Adam looked like Mark Harlick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we all descended from Mark Harlick? <laughs> it's fantastic. Like Mark Harlick. Oh my God. I wish my brother was watching this show. He would die. He would actually die. Like he would physically expire from laughing too hard at the fact that this is Mark. Mark Harlick is God. We know him so well from Seinfeld. My brother quotes him from Seinfeld all the time. He's incredible in that. Uh, yeah, it's really funny. Like when when he peeled the dog mask off and all the light shone. And yeah, I was like, oh sweet. And then he walked up and it was Mark Harlick, and I was like, even better. <laughs> the yeah, I don't know if there, I just liked the. I liked that his first three lines to her were just, that was by design. Yeah. That was also by design. <laughs> I just was so smug and, and just the shittiest answer. I was like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> they So the, so far, they're really nailing God from the books. Uh, the scene where he goes like God mode, as I call it, where he yeah. like gets all golden and glowing and like grows a little bit. That was really cool because when he, when he does show up in the book, that's kind of what he looks like. He's okay. very like, so now we're at the point in the show where God's in the show. Uh, and spoilers to my to my knowledge, this is actually God. Okay. So, 
Google like preacher and like God, eh, maybe not. Do it with caution, I guess, if if you wish, because you get to see what he looks like. It's really cool. It's a cool rendering. The only detail I wish was missing from uh from the show is his eyes are like just they they have no uh, no iris iris or pupil or okay. anything. They're just white, and it looks it looks really cool. Like it's really cool in the book, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense that God would have this. He looks humanoid. He looks human, but except for that detail and he like his hair and like he's often like blown out and crazy looking when he's like angry and like reacting in a big way and he he does give off like that gold light it's it's cool like i I really liked how they did that and i'm glad they did because that was detail that i really like from the book it would be cooler if his eyes like went full white because it just looks sweet yeah why can't this show get the eyes right that's what i'm wondering like why don't jesse's eyes turn red doing anything with the eyes yeah and it's it's Maybe it's more no. Screw that. It it's important because comics and these are both visual mediums yeah. that rely on those kind of uh, effects. And I, I would be really cool if Jesse's eyes turned red when he used the word, as I think they should. Maybe they will when he gets Genesis back. I don't know. Anyway, really cool scene. My favorite scene in the episode. My favorite scene in the season. Probably this is. The, I've been waiting for God to show up in the show. Yeah, <clears throat> like in a in a proper way to actually engage the characters because and it, in the real world. Yeah. To me, like one of the one of the coolest things about the book is that like God is a character, like God is a character, <laughs> and you see him, like you get to, see, and other characters see him, and they and they know that he's God, and it's not like it's not a trick, it's it's him, like yeah. talking to people, it's crazy, and <laughs> and the way the comic does it is so fearless, and it just goes for it, and that the fact that the show is now finally doing it, and they're not like hiding his face, like I liked it when he was like standing by the side of the road in the dog suit. Don't get me wrong. I thought that was cool, but I'm glad that that only lasted like an episode or two. Yeah. Like this is, this is what should be happening. Like a a literal face to face conversation with God. Those are some of my favorite parts in the book. And it so far in the show, I really, really like it. Uh, his, I took a lot of notes this episode. Um, when he says I was counting on it and all that, I was like, whoa, this is hard. (laughs) Well, yeah, no. And that, it was almost something that I didn't, quite pick up on that god was intending for tulip to fail yes until she explains it to jesse as like like he 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 wanted me to prevent you yep so that's that's a big takeaway for this episode yeah that god is he is doing things by design but he's not I think it's important to note that he's not waving his hand and doing things. He's manipulating people into situations by being God, by acting <laughs> like I th- I'm going to give a give a command or like a request and they're going to see it through because I'm God. But he's he's manipulating them into doing things and yeah. he is trying to keep Jesse's soul away from him. He's and essentially IE he's trying to keep Genesis Genesis out of, out of the out picture. Of, yeah. And that's huge. And that's something that goes by kind of quickly in this episode, but do not let that go by unnoticed. Like, that's yeah. a big deal. And I'm really excited that they're talking about it. And I think that that's going to be a big thing soon in this in this season. And that, that gets me just really excited. Interesting. I also really like that he just basically says to Tulip, like, that's who you are. Like, you <laughs> yeah. screw things up. I was like, man, this yeah, is Yeah, what hard. did your father call it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it because it, it's it's timely with us talking about Westworld. Like this is the O'Hare's living up to their code. They're the programming, they yes. <laughs> and I was like, this is two shows that we're podcasting about actively right now. This year are talking about the same similar thing. questions, yeah, yeah, which is really cool. Uh, just to rewind a little bit, really briefly, I loved the scene of her driving. Mm. Oh, it was so cool. It was so slick the way it was put together. I loved it, and I love. I'm a fan of zooms, which is a weird thing to say because. <laughs> 
you get them right like one percent of the time. Yeah, there are so many cheap zooms, and like zooms can be so tacky and so gross. But when Tulip whips into like the parking lot, there's this little pop zoom in on her, right as she like swings the car around, and it was really cool. I was like, that was sweet. It was like a Tarantino kind of thing, and like it just worked. Like Guy Ritchie, like it worked really well. And then as she's driving the car back, there's a really cool like dolly zoom as the it's like a shot of the car driving away from camera down the road yeah and it's awesome because they're doing a dolly zoom but they're also dollying side to side and i was like are they is the track on a diagonal like i was Uh, watching and i was like that is really cool because they're it could have been done in post but i don't think so this show is like really into like doing cool cool stuff in camera yeah but it's like dollying left to right across like the grass and the road but at the same time you see the background and the foreground shifting i was like whoa that's sweet. That's do- dolly zooms have always been my favorite, like camera, uh, film filmmaking technique. And, and you can only use it sparingly. Yep. You can't do it all the time. But when you do, and it's and it works, even in this shot is so quick. You didn't. One of my favorite things about like, when people do camera gags and stuff that you did it just because you could. Yep. You didn't need to, but it works so well. Like this is such a fine line to walk. People can like directors and DPs can so often just try to flex their nuts by doing cool stuff like this and it just doesn't work. It has yeah. no purpose. It doesn't move anything forward. You, you feel like it's just being flashy for flashy. Yes, sake. but in the scene it works because you're about to set up a conversation with God and like it's cool to do something kind of like unearthly in this moment to kind of make you go, ooh, that was weird. It's got a very, and it also like adds to the momentum, just the momentum of the fact that she's like traveling and mm-hmm. is on a mission or i guess you know oh, is coming out of the it mission. was really really sweet like right away i like sat up and i was like well that was cool like i really <laughs> liked that and then right on the heels of that we've got the talk with god and i was like man i i love this show i really liked the 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 idea like how god is kind of introduced of her like hearing jazz and then being unable to like turn it off of the radio yeah because like whatever radio is around god is playing a walk jazz. to the peak or whatever that <laughs> yeah, jazz yeah, song exactly. was yeah that that to me I thought was was quite interesting. Um and then just Mark Harlick's body in a body tight leather suit yeah. is so it's just like it's not like shapely at all. It's not there's nothing like there's nothing overtly sexual about no, any of it and no. it's just so funny to it's me. just a dude in a dog costume yeah it is really fu- you're right because the the wider shot of it when he's like putting the helmet on yeah. i was like look at that <laughs> look at that middle like, i can dude. see everything yeah. right now <laughs> yeah you're like his slight he's not fat no you can see his slight like pudge though mm-hmm. and that's fine but yeah you're right it's not like wow look at the ass on mark hartlick or anything. like he's just a guy you're just like a dad in a suit it's weird it is it is really funny though it's a good i'm glad you brought that up yeah. because yeah. it's not like he's not like fat and then he's no. not like trim it's just a guy it's mm-hmm. really funny yeah you're you're right i remember thinking that too because the way he's shot in a lot of the scenes it's like his waist up or like a bust shot when he's they talking. probably could have used like a butt double or something if they really wanted to but they didn't that's what's so and good. it's funny yeah exactly yeah yeah it's really funny i i some of my favorite jokes in this show are the ones that I can picture while they're on set shooting. I can picture Seth Rogen on the monitor going, <laughs> like just like laughing and going, oh, look at him. <laughs> he's watching the dailies, just like, oh, this is better than I even imagined. Yeah, or like just at the director's monitor, just like laughing. Like, look at that guy. It's so funny. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. I just rewatched uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin for the first time in like probably almost 10 years. Yeah. And... Seth Rogen's jokes in that I feel like he had a hand in them obviously Apatow was writing yeah and he he knows Rogen really well he knows how to 
how to play him like a like a fine beautiful instrument but i feel like you can't help but feel like because each of those characters is so in the voice of the actor that mm-hmm. you you they know what they know yep. and they know how to make it funny and rogan's jokes in that are so <laughs> so good and i'm i get easily annoyed with seth rogan like yeah. he's i like him in the right quantity and sometimes i'm like oh that's enough like that like in a late aughts early like 2010s i was like oh enough seth rogan like i didn't want to watch any more <laughs> seth rogan stuff and now like i i think he's so perfect for this material like yeah i do not want him in the show though i don't want him to pop up in like a small role that would yeah. be immediately distracting i don't feel like he would do that but i hope not anyway if it was kevin smith on the other hand oh, kevin smith i wouldn't be watching kevin smith's preacher <laughs> let me make that clear <laughs> Uh, any other thoughts on this this big scene? Obviously, I we, thought it was. Fa- honestly, we did get his "I am the Alpha and the Omega," uh-huh. uh, which is his like introduction in the first season. Of course, that mm-hmm. Mark Harrelick. It's the audition material that Mark Harrelick gets. That's good. Yeah, that's but, funny. Uh, I unfortunately I did like this episode a lot, but it's all downhill from here for me. Like I loved mm-hmm. this scene so much that the latter half of the episode even didn't quite hold my attention as much. And part of this was me just being like, this is something huge from the books that I really loved. Also, I mean, it's, it's really important to note that Tulip, like Tulip calls him out. She's like, it's not good enough for her. Yeah. She's, she's now like in the same realm that Jesse is. She's aligning to the, yeah. Like she's being confronted with issues of who, she thought God was mm-hmm. or didn't really like care to think about God at all. Yeah. And the like she's she has to reckon with her creator, which she may have never believed was really a creator in the first place. And it's putting her on that same path, which is very interesting. It, oh, it's so exciting because I'm ready for Jesse to get back on task and having Tulip next to him asking the same questions and wanting the same thing is perfect. So that was another big, exciting takeaway. For interesting. Me. Very cool. All right. In Act 1, TC patches up Cassidy and becomes very suspicious about his comfortability with being shot and his complete lack of scars despite being stabbed and shot several times over. Tulip tells Jesse about her interactions with God and mentions she doesn't think God wants Jesse to find him as that's why God set her up to fail at stopping the grail. Jody interrupts Tulip and Jesse to take Jesse to church to get something for Grandma. TC passes on his concerns about Cassie to everyone, causing Jesse to go check up on him. Jesse finally tells Cass that he's his best friend and then promptly warns him to leave as Jody and TC are on to him and they'll do terrible things to him. Cassidy refuses to leave, so Jesse impales him where the bullet wound was to delay TC and Jody's finding out that Cassidy is a vampire. Um, more TC and Cassidy was good mm-hmm. i i enjoy i enjoy the two of them together on screen and i think the thing this is jumping ahead a little bit but tc uh colin cunningham who is portraying tc just seems like such an interesting i don't even know how to put it like the scene, the scene where he's standing naked in front of Tulip. I'm like, he's weirdly like lean mm-hmm. for the fact that he's like a backwater like hillbilly, mm-hmm. and all of that. He's just this weird Swiss Army knife of like skills and <laughs> fetish. He's that, Swiss Army man. Yeah, it's 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 quite it's. I don't know. I just find him very fascinating. I guess. 
is very interesting. He's so much more compelling and interesting than he is in the books. (laughs) Colin Cunningham is, you get the vibe that like in another universe, he could have played Cassidy. Hmm. Like he has that versatility to him. Yeah. But not in this universe because Joe Gilgan is just perfect. Of course. But they do complement each other really well. And it's not because they contrast too much. It's because they're, they're really like simpatico. They're on each a other. Same, the same wavelength. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun to watch. Uh, Cassidy's huffing the numberer, which <laughs> dulls the pain, lowers the inhibition, and fogs the memory. Ew. Which is just Ew. so gross. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know Colin Cunningham. Like, I don't. I'm not familiar with him yeah, from anything else. But man, does he ever? To me, anyway, as someone from Michigan, does he nail the the Louisiana, the Bayou yep. accent? Yep. He really just gets all this, in my opinion. He just More gets so than si- literally anybody else. Yeah, on the he show. gets the syllables so right. It's it's really, really fast. I love listening to him talk. Even if there's anybody gross. from Louisiana that has yeah. something else to say about that. Like he reminds me of characters in True Detective yes. season one, where yeah. they, they really have that perfect drawl. It's, uh, it's interesting to me. I, I actually want to read up on that and see if he's getting it right. Yeah. Because accents are one of those things that. If you're from the region, you're often like way more critical of it. Than, yeah, that's than, uh, if if anybody can write in and be like, to, I actually to either call bullshit on it or not. Yeah, because be to us it sounds like, oh wow, that's Louisiana. Yeah. But I'm, the, I'm the, the guy who who my only point of reference on a Louisiana Bayou accent gambit. is the Gambit <laughs> from the, the 90s Gambit cartoon. from the '90s X Men cartoon. <laughs> I don't think it's so, accurate. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. But uh, yeah. I actually laughed out loud in my car today listening to the most recent Game Nerds episode because uh, Brian keeps saying ya- Yakuza and you're oh, like no yeah. it's Yakuza yeah and it's really funny because it reminds me you guys are saying the same thing kind of like it's it's close <laughs> yeah. but it's not if you know it's not and like I'm sure that I, I've said y- Yakuza a lot because I feel like the the, the natural way well, that, and as a the, Michigander would be it's Yakuza. The, it's like somebody correcting someone who says karaoke because that's not how you pronounce it in Japanese at all. Sure. It is actually karaoke. But that's always the... Like, that's that's Ross and friends saying karate yeah, exactly. rather than karate because that's just how the Americanization is. So that y- Yakuza is how people say it. Mm-hmm. But the Yakuza. because the, the syllables in Japanese are pronounced in a very particular way... It it sounds off. It to also someone who it knows doesn't sound language. unnatural to say yakuza. Yeah, but yakuza is just funny. It it's very American. Yeah, it's just big. Like, those yakuza Bazooka. over there. Yeah, bazooka yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it just was funny that that was on my mind today. I like cracked up listening to that conversation because it reminds me of Flight of the Concords when they're talking about. Um, I think it's in the. It might be in the first episode. It's early where someone says, "Oh my gosh, you guys are Australian," and they laugh and they're like, "No, we're New Zealand." <laughs> and they're like, "Well, what's the difference? Kind of what's the difference?" He's like, "No, no, in, in Australia they say car, we say car." <laughs> Talking about a car, <laughs> and it's like it sounds like the exact same thing. It's really funny. That's like that's the joke, really. Anyway, that's it's that's uh, always fun to me to, to to listen to people talk about you know dialects yeah. and that kind of thing, pronunciation. Yeah um tldr sounds good to me could could be wrong <laughs> yeah let us know louisiana people um i don't know there's not not a whole lot that goes on here there we do see uh jesse and tulip acting like they're in a relationship 
once again, which is something that we did talk about a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we got a little episode. we got a little steamy moment between them. Yeah, and which I enjoyed. Jody Jody interrupts, of course. Yeah, those two. So that I like seeing. There were two things in this bit that I really loved as a book reader. Seeing Cass and Jesse make up mm. for a second was really nice. I was yeah. like, oh, and then Jesse immediately was like, now you got to get lost. And Cassidy, the, the difference is this time it does seem like it's out of concern. No, it is totally. Him. Yeah. yeah. And I, I agree 100% that it is. It's just funny watching Cass right away cry foul. He's like, you'll, you'll say anything to give yeah. me that. But it is it is coming from a place of genuine concern. And it's funny to watch Jesse go, you've seen the picture. Like, it's literally on your way up to the bedroom, <laughs> detailing what will happen to you. And then you know, it's funny watching Cass kind of think about it and like seeing the animated, the little animation yep. moment was really cool. But also Tulip and uh, and Jesse, like those two in the books, they, they love each other to pieces. And it's I like seeing that in the show. Like it's yeah. nice to watch them just like want to just like be together, and and they're they're like they're like it's like magnetic, mm-hmm. like it's undeniable, and uh, I like seeing that that glimpse of that for this moment because we even said at the beginning of the season we're like wait are are they or aren't they? Yeah, like we're having a hard time remembering where Tulip even stands. Yeah, so that was refreshing to yeah. kind of get an indi- indicator of which way she's leaning. And in the last episode, we see her say, "I love you, Cass," but it's clearly like. Like a, oh you're yeah oh you yeah, yeah kind of thing yeah and he takes it as this like moment of like the the clouds parting mm-hmm. and it and we even see it in the episode recap yep that he still is feeling that way and yes. uh, as Robin pointed out you know I don't think he's ever she's ever going to reciprocate in the way that he wants yep so at least not willingly yeah yeah who knows um there was something that you said that I wanted to comment on just now yeah. While you're trying to remember that, I'll just say I liked all of them in the kitchen together as though like this is just their roommates. (laughs) They're just all living. They're all getting coffee. And I was like, (laughs) Jesse's walking out of the mug of coffee. And I was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) It could not be more different than in the book where like they are literally hostages there in Mm. the book and they're they're kidnapped. And it's terror. Every every panel of the Angelville run there is wrought with tension and Mm. is just scary. And the show is really, it's not that it's not scary. It's more like subtext. Yeah. It's lurking there beneath the surface. Well, and it really feels more, I guess it, like I was going to say, it feels like it's mostly like, obviously it's focused around Jesse. Like Jesse Mm -hmm. can't just walk away from the situation because grandma can manipulate him. Tear him in half. Yeah. But Tulip, Tulip was free to go to New Orleans and come back That's true, yeah. and i feel like cassidy could leave sure if he wanted to but obviously the terror of them finding him out i think kind of lingers too so it's 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 interesting but. i'm glad bruce did bring up as well that he's not he doesn't he's not there in the comics like yeah and i talked to you about this it might have been off air an episode or two ago but he they part ways at the end of the first real arc just for a while they kind of say like in their mind, it might be permanent. They don't know, but they're just kind of like, "We'll see you down the road, Cassidy." Like it's it's been cool, yeah, getting to know you. And then they kind of run into each other. I think it's by chance. Later, anyway, they do link up after Angelville. So for this particular arc, it is just the two of them. Yeah, and it, it is interesting having Cassidy in the mix because we we don't know the trajectory of kind of where he's going, but I think we kind of do anyway <laughs> with the love potion. Yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say, so that's fine. You'll remember later. Yeah, as soon as we're done recording. Yep. Um, this is also where TC offers to show his penis to to Tulip. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, "Is he talking about like a pet turtle or something?" Like, I, I wondered, like, what is this slang? His for? Dingle? Nothing. <laughs> we we know what it's slang for. Yeah. 
Uh, and I did like, <laughs> I did like Cassidy's line of, I'm a bloody vampire at Voodoo Disneyland. I should be their main attraction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he has a lot of great dialogue. Just quick, you know, between the lines, yep. lines that just slip by. Yes. Little things that are really funny. Like the, uh, the whole conversation about, um, oh man, what ingredient is it that's in number or that he like gets excited? Hemlock. hemlock. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, hemlock. Really? He's like, oh, man, it's been years and like has a hit. <laughs> It's uh, that's perfect. It's perfect casting. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, Act Two with Jesse out of the house and Cass recuperating. Tulip scopes out Grandma's house and finds a filing cabinet full of bloody napkins. She continues to scope out the room and finds that Grandma is actually in the room with her, seemingly asleep. Jody uh, drives Jesse to a Puffers Anonymous meeting to recruit people into getting sober spells. Uh, but one of the more afflicted addicts is unimpressed that Angelville is open for business again. He'd rather go to Madame Boyd than Miss Marie, but if the tombs were open, he'd be back in. Jesse reports pack- back to Jody that he's out of practice, but he tries to appeal to Jody to get him to uh, to help him get away from Grandma, as it seems Jody was in love with Jesse's mother, Christina. But Jody won't have any of it and continues to take Jesse to other addiction meetings. Um. Yeah, uh, Grandma being in the room as Tulip is in there, to me, was kind of like, okay, is Grandma really unaware of Tulip being there? Like, is she asleep or incapacitated? Was she just probably watching Tulip as Tulip was gathering information? She was probably aware, yeah. I would say. Hibernating um, under there. The fat, like, the, I saw the, the urn on the shelf, and when she opens it up, and there's, like, Swedish fish in there, or whatever it happens to be. I thought was kind of funny. Like to me, I was like, "Oh, that's probably Christina's ashes or something like that." And then she opens it up, and there's candy inside. I was like, "Oh, okay." Were they were they Swedish fish? I don't know that. Like they, it looked like gummies that were the side size of Swedish fish. I thought it was those peppers, and I thought Tulip just crushed one of those peppers. Like, I didn't think it was a pepper. Okay, maybe they were peppers. I thought she just popped that thing in her mouth and just. And just chewed it like it was no big deal. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. I thought it was candy because she gives one to Jesse later, right? I think she does. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to. That'll be in our corrections next week. <laughs> when it's neither of those things. Yes. Um, uh, do you remember when when they're outside with Grandma, when she and TC and Cass show up, you know, when they, when they have uh, Featherstone and Hoover? Yep. She does she have a, a shawl on or anything over her head? I did not. I don't remember. No, I felt like she had like sunglasses on or something like that, maybe. But I don't remember her having like a shawl over her. I'm just wondering. Grandma has some very vampiric tendencies. Ah, yeah. In the show, interesting. Yeah, and I wonder if there's more to that. She's not a vampire in the book. I'll just say like no, this yeah. is this is a theory based on. I w- that would be interesting though because. Cassidy's presence there and the idea that they used to just burn vampires like vampires were a regular thing around there yeah I wonder if grandma is actually one and TC and Jody don't know and part of the reason she stays young is from blood and they don't realize or something I wonder Hmm. that's interesting I don't know I didn't I did not know I I don't know I feel like she probably not I'm probably wrong but anyway I'm just kind of curious now an interesting point um the way she's like under all those blankets yeah just like i mean clearly she's older just the hills and is alive only because of all these souls but i was wondering i was like this is very like 
behavior in line with like what we've seen Cassidy yeah. kind of be like. being a shut in sleeping during the day kind of yeah. yeah anyway yeah um, uh, she's out, I think she's out in broad daylight though with with Jesse a couple times yeah because I mean she went out to look at the grave yeah Jesse's uh, mother's anyway. grave I don't know I really liked the top. I think it was the beginning of this sequence when Jesse's walking out to the truck and he like gets angry at the chicken, the, yeah. the immortal chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, just yes. running, running around. <laughs> this is a recurring joke that will never get old. No, it's, it's really, it's really good. Yeah. I, I was wondering if that is the one chicken that's I'm, around in I'm, Angelville. I'm sure and it is. Did Cassidy actually drain it in this episode? Uh, I like oh that chick. You think it was that chick? I wonder. I oh, want, it like, I was been. wondering if it, if yeah. that is the sole chicken. That's I forgot still about that. Yeah, I forgot about that. But that, um, that it may be dead now that Cassidy uh, killed it. Or yeah. could it be dead? I guess I don't know. There's probably more than one chicken. I just like to think the one that keeps crossing Jesse's path is the one. <laughs> is his buddy that? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, when Tulip picks up the phone, mm. we know that that's the phone they use to communicate. Uh. That Jesse, I don't think so though. That she picks I've up. I thought about that, and it seems like it looks pretty similar. But I don't recall Jesse picking up a phone and speaking into That's it. That's right. I guess he's talking to her body. Yeah. Well, when she picked it up, and the voice was like, "What do you want? What do you want?" Yeah. I thought it sounded like the warden from Hell from uh, season two. Like the like same grandma's voice. Got a, grandma's got a direct Dr- line to Hell. Yeah, that's pretty I mean, good. <laughs> wouldn't be too surprising, would it? <laughs> no. I I thought it was an interesting detail, all the static, and then just the "What do you want?" Yeah, it sounded like that, like her, it, he, whatever from from hell. <laughs> yeah, I uh, suspect we might we might hear a little something more. Either that, or it might just be like a I funny am, gag. I wanted to say at the top of the show, and I forgot. I'm shocked that we haven't seen any Arseface or, or Hitler, Hitler yeah. as of yet. I'm pretty fine. with I it. I figured you were okay with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm okay I, with it for now. I mean, it's it's just crazy to me that they're in the opening credits and they <laughs> are missing from 30 percent yeah uh, you know but who knows maybe the back half or, i don't know who knows um yeah i'm trying to think uh the the puffers anonymous meeting <laughs> dude i didn't i'm such an idiot i didn't get it at first like it started i saw the thing that said glue and i was like what am i what is this and then the guy's talking i was like oh it's alcoholic i didn't get it at first but then when that guy's talking and he's like just one little whiff like i just started <laughs> belly laughing because i realized i was like oh my god rogan and goldberg where's the glue dad <laughs> yeah exactly it's my nose I'm like freaking out oh my god i laughed so hard it was very good well and the story that he's telling the fact that he's like with his kid and they're they're going to like recreate the opening of saving private Ryan. Yeah. presumably this child is like under the age of 12 yes we watched the scene three times and I love the idea that being at like a hobby store is like <laughs> he's like itching like oh my god there's glue there's adhesives everywhere that I want to sniff. Oh, oh man, it's so funny! Like it's just like the perfect cutage again. Which this is I one guess I if see. anybody's <laughs> out there and is part of a Puffers Anonymous group, I apologize because but it just seems so like I don't know if you can get addicted off. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> But again, it's one of those things I can picture Seth Rogen just laughing and yeah. being like, oh, man, yeah, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. And the guy, that guy, the part where he, when Jesse's like, you know, talking about how he was addicted and he's like, oh, Madame Langell. And the guy does this like weird, like sniff as he's like, holy shit, it's open again. Like yeah. he had the weirdest delivery. 
and the way he said it made me laugh again really hard and i was like this guy should have been played by rob hubel <laughs> like it, it the delivery of that line right away i was like this is rob hubel at his douchiest and it made me laugh really hard I that's incredible like, yeah. that'd be pretty yeah i'd be down for rob he'd be hubel. the kind of guy that could he's in everything anyway mm-hmm. and he's always good he's always like shades of himself i, I always like. like him as like the more executive type the executive douchebag type yes character but like and i love you man yes yeah he's yes. So good absolutely i love him in everything like whenever he pops up i and i forget his name 70 percent of the time <laughs> and i'm always like ah it's someone's like he just he's always good in everything though um uh, and the, the guy the, the guy says one little whiff just to settle the nerves yeah while he's at the hobby emporium <laughs> like what nerves when his kid when his kid is in bed when his kid's yeah. sleeping yeah what <laughs> nerves do you have uh, it was great it was really funny once the joke clicked for me i was like i was dying i also loved and then it they just kept going like jody's saying like when he's like oh, i struck out basically and jody's like there's a gambler gamblers anonymous across from the riverboat, riverboat casino, casino. <laughs> i was just laughing so hard because like these char- these characters are serious like these are serious conversations he's like ah, i don't know they, they uh, troll hard at these these anonymous meetings to, to get customers. The fact that the meeting is across from the casino yeah. is just, <laughs> it killed me. I was like, this is great. Great stuff. Like, just clever little throwaway jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. The notion that Jody was in love with, with uh, Christina yeah. is interesting. I was like, are we going to have a, a Snape situation on our hands here? Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's that's fresh to me interesting i wasn't yeah i don't know i wasn't seeing it but when uh, when you said uh last week that jody and tc shot each other a look when they said what how jesse pissed off the boyds Mm. i was wondering if they both knew different stories from jesse for some reason that's true or like if one of them does know the truth but the other doesn't or like what the deal like so that could i mean that could be like maybe jody did help him get away originally and that's why he's trying to i like jody as pure evil yeah but i don't know i guess it's interesting it adds it adds a dynamic like yeah. jody's really two-dimensional in the book but it works like you you have you never walk away and be like you know that Jody's a little too shallow of a character for me like he's perfect for what he is so yeah. in the show I do like giving him a little more dimension but I don't want him to grow into a sympathetic villain and I hear something that was a little inside baseball and I was a little unsure if I wanted to even bring it up but the fact that TC Colin Cunningham is a, is a regular in the credits and Jody is not is not it's weird to me is like uh, th- so far they're both three for three in terms of episodes yeah and i was like does that mean that something will happen to jody but jody is by far the more important character in the book which is crazy <laughs> like the, just that separation unless it's the fact that they're like well we can't have you know maybe colin cunningham is just a bigger name maybe it was like a negotiation thing maybe, like maybe his agent was just like he needs to be in the credits i don't know it is it is strange to me it feels like a political well and the fact that like they wouldn't like pull uh eugene or uh hitler mm-hmm. <laughs> like back to put jody in yeah seems very strange to me too so it's true it's a good point it's something i keep forgetting to talk about yeah because i actually wondered they kept showing the shot of him with his like 
surgery goggles yeah. on. And even at the beginning of this episode, I was like, is that TC? Like, I had to look it up because I was like, who, who is this guy? Because I remember seeing Jeremy Childs appear later, like yeah. after the, the regular credit sequence. And I was like, why would TC be ahead of Jody? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love Jody in this, though. I think he's just perfect. He's they're, fantastic. They're both great. They're both great. Yeah. Jody was the character I was more concerned about. And so far, he's living up to it. That's good. Uh, the only other thing, it does appear that the Boyds have certainly taken over and i my my um i'm wondering if the reasoning for that is that the boys are much more cut and dry like you give us money and you get a thing oh uh, yeah we'll get into that than, for sure yeah yeah so yeah all right uh act three tulip uses flattery to mine information out of tc on how to get jesse out of his contract with grandma but tc tells tulip she uh best not mess with miss marie and the only way for a debt to be released is when Grandma says so. Cassie drops in to see Grandma and is curious why she is in such an unhealthy state if she calls herself a healer. But she says she's working on it. Grandma asks what Cassidy really wants, and he says he wants the love spell, and he's not leaving without it. Um, yeah, TC and Tulip interacting. I... I like seeing Tulip back in this role. I like watching her be like a, a grifter. Yeah. It's cool. Like it feels more like the old Tulip. Yep. She was in a weird place in season two. Yes. Dealing with basically the whole time being in like this weird shell shocky mode. And I'm sure when the saint shows up. That's what I was going to say. It's interesting to me that Tulip was more affected by the saint than she's more affected by dying. Well, I think she has. She's. I mean, she has died. She's come back from the dead. I feel like that would do things to you mentally. And I feel like now yeah. that she almost doesn't have fear, she may be a little more fearless because mm. she's died it, it already. That's true. She's That's tried true. she's tried it on and it didn't take Maybe that was the antidote to the to the saint. <laughs> like that was Yeah. Her kind of actually facing death yes. and like coming back. Yeah. Interesting. There's a great line in the uh for all for any comic book readers out there in the Moon Knight series from a few years ago, uh, written by Warren Ellis, who I often used to mix up with Garth Ennis all the time. <laughs> You'd see Ennis and Ellis and yeah. be like, "Wait, what?" Uh, where Moon Knight, I think it's in, in the last issue of the run, the six issues. He only wrote six, but anyway, at some point, he just has this line where he says, "I died before. It was boring, so I stood up." Is mm. I think he says, "So I stood up." Um, it's a great line yeah because he does like that's part of his origin he does legit die and he's resurrected and uh, i think that's kind of the mood that tulip is kind of projecting like i died and it was boring i didn't like it it didn't take (laughs) interesting so i came back very interesting i am looking forward to the next meeting between her and the saint because i like i like tulip like this yeah it's fun to watch her swagger her way through the show again yeah it's such a delight watching ruth nega just just crush every scene she's in absolutely absolutely um yeah the what did you think of the little vignette of the story oh man i loved it it was very i loved i loved how it was like a vincent price movie like with the lightning (laughs) the black and white and like when when he's in the lobby and it's like that dutch angle and he's like i told him my madam's busy you can't see him there's like the lightning he's got like long hair like his baseball cap like he's like oh he's young now (laughs) it was really really good it reminded me of like a flashback in like frank and weenie or something Mm -hmm. like very tim burton-y 
it was really fun. Yeah. Like, I, I love the way it, present, it was presented. Yeah, it was. I saw right away where it was going, and I was like, I can't wait to see what this is. And then he just <laughs> tears it in half, and she's laying there like, ah. Like, oh, it was really funny. I, it was very I thought good. it was a great presentation. Very, very good. And he tells this story with such, like, earnesty that it was, like, really, really good, mm-hmm. really funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that it's explained, too. Like, just... Like there it is. Yeah, like, we this get is it. this is why you can't just take the unless you're gonna lock it in a safety deposit box and never touch it again and make sure no one ever gets to it. Um, you can't just get the, the napkin back. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very interesting that the debt just can't be like erased by any. Although he does ask if 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 Tulip knows any magic or voodoo, so it'll be <laughs> right. interesting to see what. Yeah, I feel like that his he's right, but he's not because he says the debt is only paid when when Miss Marie says it's paid. I'm like, I feel like there's a there's a universal Supreme Court that would be like, well, hold on, <laughs> the debt was paid. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if if fate, in a way, in some weird way, some intangible force would see the debt fulfilled mm. like if jesse does in fact live up to his end and someone goes to destroy the napkin and it doesn't do anything to him because in the eyes of the universe yeah he lived up to the bargain interesting i feel like that's i i almost kind of put it as like a um it's she's not like a genie you know what i mean like i well, feel like it's from like aladdin like you're free <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking of it more along the lines of like she will still enforce voodoo against you or employ it against you if you if the the if the terms are not met to her satisfaction less Mm. than like it's not so much that the napkin matters as much it is the spirit of the blood compact like it 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 can she will take the bad will from whatever like trickery you try to pull on her okay but I it, it not it, not that I necessarily have anything from the text of the show to like back that up. But I got you. Yeah. Um. And then the love spell. I feel like the napkin has to be a part of it though. Yeah. She's ringing that. She's yeah. like. It's well, and it's certainly like it's, I don't know. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's like the having like a straw doll yeah. with the hair of yeah. the person on it. So it makes sense. Hmm. Like in a typical depiction of voodoo, but yeah, you need some sort of physical. I don't know. Object. Yeah. Uh, the love spell to me was interesting. Like the the wording was interesting because he's like, "I'm not leaving without it," and then Grandma says no and smiles, and it was kind of like I wasn't certain if she was like acquiescing to his request or like denying it and being like, "Well, I'm not going to give that to you, but here's something else." But yeah, I'm a. Uh, this is an area that's still pretty gray to me. Yeah, like, I want to see how it's going to play out. Yeah, but it seems like he's got something at least, although he's now kind of tied up in other things, but we will get to that. Um, Any other thoughts on that act? I don't think so. All right. Act four, Tulip heads into Madame Boyd's unarmed and without her phone. Cassidy leaves Grandma's room with a spray bottle as Jesse and Jody arrive home. Cassidy heads upstairs and Jody notes that he's on the mend again. Grandma calls Jesse in to see how Angelville advertising efforts went, but Jesse says that the Boyds have uh, the place sewn up, and Grandma recommends that Jesse get the tombs up and running, but Jesse is opposed. Meanwhile, Cassidy captures a chicken outside of TC's hut to drain its blood, and TC catches him in the act. As Jesse's upstairs trying to get a hold of Tulip, he hears TC yell for him outside as he and Jody string up Cassidy on a tree. 
Jesse lies in Jesse lies in telling Jody that he didn't know Cassidy was a vampire, but he suggests that he has a better idea than hanging him out for the sun to get him. Um. Yeah, I like the fact that they're like normal spots to check out, like the Riverboat Casino, the DMV, and the check cashing. Yeah, like basically where desperate people are. Yeah, where people desperately need something. Um, sad. It's very. It's extremely predatory and very sad. Um. Yeah, the grandma threatens him with the coffin. Ooh, as that we saw coffin. last season. Yeah. So, uh, that I toiled over the sound of for so long. <laughs> yeah, I love thinking about that <laughs> season two. All the all the all the hints yes. throughout the audit the audio like cues, the literal gears turning. And me, yeah, and me just being like, oh, I want to talk about it. <laughs> it's a bummer because we haven't really seen more of that from when he's a kid. Mm. Like just how much coffin yeah. he endured. Yeah, it's also not. It's just not the same without the John Wayne apparition in the mm. show is that when he mostly sees that john wayne is like a i mean he's throughout the book okay he, he's like a have you seen true romance no have i made this comparison maybe but I, in true romance the main character uh played by christian slater he has like the <laughs> kind of the ghost of elvis is a is a character mm. and is like over his shoulder talking to him and like giving him advice you never see his face, though. Yeah. It's really cool. It's it's one of my favorite. I don't love the movie True Romance. I think it's full of great stuff, but it never really comes together for me, and I think it's because I don't like Christian Slater very much. Mm. But all of the other characters in it are phenomenal, and it is a ridiculously stacked cast. And some of the writing is just... It, it's written by Tarantino, directed by Tony Scott. So yeah. it's this weird, one-of-a-kind animal. <laughs> it is very good, but it just like doesn't... It's, people love it, like love it. And I think it does have a ton of worth. But anyway, one of my favorite things about it is this Elvis. And he like you see him from like over the shoulder, like combing his hair and stuff, and like his cool like gold sequin jacket. You know exactly who it is. Yeah, without. and you see him out of focus, like in the bathroom mirror. He always appears to him like when when he's having these one on one scenes with himself. Like he's like talking in the mirror, trying to hype himself up. And you see Elvis be like, "Yeah, you got it, baby. Like you can do it." And it's you'll like see his face, but it's he's out of focus, like in the background. It's really really good. It's 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 such a cool thing. But that's that's basically the way John Wayne is in the book. Hmm. And he, I think he first appears after. I just had an image of Michael Showalter playing John Wayne. No, for the show. that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Michael Showalter being, being people he shouldn't be. Yes. <laughs> it works in wet hot because it's so bad. You know that it's like by design. That's really oh. good. No, that's funny. It's it's more. Yeah, that's like Bruce Campbell as Elvis in uh, in yeah. Bubba Hotep. Like yep. it works, but it shouldn't. And yep. It doesn't, but it does. <laughs> uh, I don't know who you would cast as. The thing is, like, I don't think you ever see his face in mm. the books. Like, I think it's always it's kind of the same presentation as True Romance. Like, True Romance predates the book. I'm pretty sure. So it 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 if, could be inspired. I feel by like it would have to be interesting. But now I want to rewatch True Romance because that came up recently also um, in a t- totally different conversation. But anyway, I think the John Wayne ghost appears after Jesse's dad is killed. I think he kind of subs in for him because okay. they watched John Wayne. Like his dad repeatedly throughout like flashbacks is like John Wayne is like the ideal that you should try to live up to basically. Yep. Like John Wayne is the ultimate man. And you should try to be like John Wayne be a good guy a clear-cut good guy mm-hmm. and save the damsel and 
shoot the bad guys and stand up for people who need standing up for basically. So throughout the book, you get this like weird hallucination of John Wayne and John Wayne gets him through the coffin experience. Cause at one point in the books, he's down there for like two weeks mm. or something like some insane stretch. The cover of that issue actually is like the coffin underwater and John Wayne, like leaning up against it, like standing next to uh. it. And he like talks to him through it and is like, hang in there partner. Like, you can do this. And when you do this, you're going to come out the other side even tougher and like cooler than you were before kind of thing. It's so That's good. That's awesome. I really, I'm, I'm really sad that it's not in the <laughs> show because it's such a cool, weird thing that yeah. doesn't exist elsewhere except for true romance. <laughs> like I just said. And I, I was never a John Wayne fan. Like I, I'm way more of a Clint Eastwood guy than a John Wayne guy. I feel like yeah. people usually fall into one of the two camps. It's a generational thing. I yeah, think. yeah, that's true. But I, I totally I get it. It's like the same thing with like, I'm not a huge Beatles fan either, but I get it yeah. completely. Yep. And it's kind of like that. And it, it works so well in the books. And again, it helps bridge the gap between John and Jesse Custer. And it 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 helps make Jesse make more sense. Like yeah. You're like, oh, I get it. Like, that's all he wants to be is that guy. And when he when he screws it up, when he screws things up and then he realizes he does, you see the disappointment on him because you know he just wanted to be like John Wayne. Yeah. And do the right thing. Yeah. Anyway. TLDR. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, any thoughts on Cassidy getting found out by TC? They do a great job of making Cass scary when he's vampire mode. Yes. Like all the sound effects and like the looks in his eyes and stuff. It's really good. It's really effective. Yeah. I, I really like that. I think there will be a lot more of that to come and I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Act five. Back at the London Lodge Roach Motel. Tulip comes to see Madame Boyd calling herself Pomerantz and saying her boyfriend Rich has a blood compact she wants to resolve. The assistant at Madame Boyd's takes Tulip back to the back room only to reveal that she herself is Madame Boyd and that she's aware of Tulip and that she's speaking of Jesse. Tulip tries to fight her way out and ultimately pulls a gun on Madame Boyd. Jesse's opened the tombs back up. It seems to be an underground fight club where people come to bet and the contestants fight to get their souls back. For the first match, he's uh, first match back, he's pitted Cassidy against the science teacher that we met last week. Uh, yeah, so Madam Boyd, uh, I thought that was kind of a... It, that, that reveal to me is cooler after thinking about it. The fact that, like, there was this like mummified corpse there as like the figurehead figurehead of Madame Boyd, but mm-hmm. Madame Boyd herself actually has this like young body because she's probably trading in souls just like yeah. Yeah, she's successful at what grandma wants to be doing, essentially. Um I really dug this whole thing. Yeah. I really like the presentation of the way the Boyd operation is depicted I think it's kind of funny that it's like a dentist waiting room sort of <laughs> yeah. the thing is like right away I was like I get it I yeah. would not want to see I would not want to go to Angelville this is the place I would go mm-hmm. for sure it just is like not that I would go to either of these places but <laughs> it's uh, it's just like clean and it feels efficient and like when the person comes out and she's like oh no like you're there's some I, I forgot the, the exchange of dialogue but it's very like oh no you're you're good like he's like our, our debt's clear and she's like yep you're fine and like checks him off and like it just feels pleasant yeah and uh there's more bedside manner <laughs> yeah and just like presentation is yeah. like cleaner and it, it feels updated and modern and like i feel like there's something here about like 
know, the difference of going to like a an old I just gotta keep comparing it to a dentist. Like an old <laughs> dental practice versus like a new one. Like I used to go to this yeah, dentist. an old one where the boy is grinding the wheel to use the drill like, <laughs> like an, an alienist. alienist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The one that John goes to. Uh yeah, that would be scary. No, I went to the, I used to go to this dentist uh around here that was very, very modern. It was really up to date. And I remember like I went in their waiting room, they have like a nice new TVs. They had like a little fireplace. They had a little like they had a Keurig station mm. set up and like a little cooler with bottled water and pop and a little container with like Mrs. Fields cookies. And I was like, <laughs> this is entrapment. Like, I know what you're doing. Come and back again. <laughs> you know that I brushed my teeth extra well last night because I knew I was coming here today kind of thing. And but every uh, the layout of the of each if you will yeah. the whole building is laid out in like almost like a semicircle so mm. it's really like pleasing it's not like a hallway you don't yeah. feel congested and each little you know when you lay down in the thing and they put the light over you uh above you there's a tv and they give you the remote uh, and like you can put on whatever you want that's and awesome. you know watch yeah i used to watch espn every time i went there because i didn't have can cable I get this place is uh the yeah day. i'll tell you after the show <laughs> but uh my insurance isn't isn't good there any or by oh. different insurance now so i can actually maybe i can go back now <laughs> anyway, it's really it's a, it's really funny because that's immediately what this road reminded me of. And I was like, I remember as a kid, like going to a, a more like old dental uh, dental practice that feels more like old school, and it has like that lab that dentist lobby smell. And, yeah. and it's got like the fish tank, the aquarium with like the goldfish and all the highlights flickering, flickering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, wonderful, wonderful <laughs> light and all the highlights for kids laid out everywhere, and you're just like, mm. <laughs> that's. That's the comparison I immediately felt. That's I, I liked, fantastic. I liked the 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 actress who it turns out is Madame Boyd, but I thought that whole exchange as she's like the receptionist yeah. character was really good. Uh, the actual fight was the brief fight was cool. Again, I like seeing action tulip. Uh, I like when she dives out the window. That was sweet, and they get thrown, thrown back, back in. in. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> uh, very cool, and just pulls the gun. And uh, I'm very excited to see the follow-up the rest of this scene like this is one of the things that i was like i can't wait to see how the rest of this conversation goes because it feels like we're getting this we're being set up for this uh american horror story coven yeah situation yeah. And that's the season you've watched yep. right yep yeah same thing sure. where, where you've got like the old regime and the new kind of rising up and and uh there's like there's a racial component there which i yeah. think is also really interesting uh and that's a great season of American Horror Story. And yes, I think all those all those elements that seem to kind of be evident here as well could play out in a really cool way. I feel like we might see a team up between Tulip and slash cast maybe without Jesse's knowledge to try to destroy Angelville mm-hmm. so that Madame Boyd can once and for all just like but it might come at the cost of like Jesse's got to go down too. Well, yeah, the the any the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of situation of like we can employ the boyds against angelville just seems very natural yeah and i think it's it's a it's a i don't want to call it telegraphed but it's just a very um well-worn situation so no seeing that coming and kind of being excited for what could play out i just wonder if to not that tulip isn't smart but i wonder if tulip has the like can connect those dots of like this is an advantageous situation yeah i think she can i think i i have i have no question that she'll be able to say i can pit them against each other what i wonder is if she will have the 
like manipulative dexterity to to get Jesse out of it. Yes, to make alive. sure that he is not collateral damage slash like part of the deal. Or if she says okay, you can kill him too, but then we'll have like a third plan to insert the grail into the situation or something to, to intervene oh man if we see it's even better now it's not just an angelville versus grail if we see a three-way war between all three of these powers well I, and i remember that was I, I like coming into this conversation i forgot that i wanted to bring it up but i was wondering if the boyds were standing in for someone or starting to present themselves as one of the factions against jesse yeah and, and vying for genesis as you've kind of spoken about yeah the they totally might and that would be really cool i like the idea of like this voodoo outfit kind of pursuing him as well thinking like man the the damage we can do with uh with genesis too. yeah that is true i think that short term a goal for them is definitely to extinguish angelville and i yeah. feel like madame boyd might be like I can I can out I can outweigh outweigh them basically, or I can just outlive them. She's gonna die eventually. Yeah. And Tulip's gonna have to like say, Yeah, but don't you wanna like do it for sure, like right now? Yeah. Tomorrow. It could be great. I'm really, really excited about all this. Interesting. Very cool. I wasn't thinking I didn't think about those dynamics as much yet. Uh and but I think that's that's very cool. Uh and then the tombs. You, you know, I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't the auction situation that you described last week yeah this is this is kind of i i don't want to say fun it's it's this makes more sense it makes more sense and seems logical but the the auction style deal was was certainly interesting and it kind of fit with the fact that like uh you know the japanese company that is selling bits of soul to people that are compatible with yeah i think it would be a more intellectually and emotionally satisfying and, and maybe not satisfying but more interesting story to pursue versus just like gladiator style fighting yeah because i don't i don't understand what about this jesse finds so reprehensive yes. reprehensible like what what about this makes him go no i'm not opening the tombs because i'm like i mean yes you're making two people whose souls fight. have been yeah. partially siphoned off fight to the death mm-hmm. but I don't know. Jesse's done worse, you know. Yeah, he will do worse. Yeah, we've seen him do worse. So it's strange. I expected something much more, like much darker, sinister. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's clever though. It's a clever way for him to buy Cass a little more time because I think he knows, like, Cassidy as a vampire has the edge in a He's got most hand-to-hand combat. To, yeah, but we don't know what kind of situation that science teacher's in. We don't, uh, we don't understand <laughs> what he is. If he's a zombie, well, he or got, what. he got a, he got a chainsaw rather than a mace or That's whatever true. was given yeah. to Cassidy. So, uh, it's an interesting way to, for him to, to get cast a little more time because if Cassidy keeps winning, they can't just like, if he becomes a hit, if he's kind of like a, ma- a big, if he becomes their main attraction, yes, as he as suggested, he and uh, interesting, yeah. it's, uh, it could be what, what buys him a lot of life. Yeah. So, We'll see. Yeah. Until it turns into Thor Ragnarok and Cass <laughs> and Jesse have to have to throw down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be uh And then it just becomes like an old uh Captain Kirk Star Trek fight. Oh my god. <laughs> Versus that dinosaur thing. Yeah, the Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> you knew the name of it. That's awesome. <sighs> or of course you did. I think I'm pretty sure it's a Gorn. Anyway. Sounds right. Uh oh, that fight is so bad. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really good. It's really beautiful. 
So yeah, I would not be surprised that if there was not a reference to that in the in the cast, I assume we're going to see more of the fight between him and the science teacher. If there was if there was a Kirk V. Gorn (laughs) shot for shot reference, (laughs) (laughs) the phaser and everything, tossing a big boulder, (laughs) and just letting it go past you. (laughs) Oh yeah. All right. I don't know that there's anything else. Um, It's a great episode. The hat that tc tc says wait up don't forget the something for some reason the subtitles didn't work for me oh yeah no they did for me and uh he had a a name had like a person's name didn't it yeah i i'm not sure i couldn't it it, like i listened to it twice and i was like i don't know what he's saying there i i could my subtitles worked if you want to hold on a second i can pull it up beaves b-e-a-v-e-s don't forget the beaves is what the caption says i wonder what the what the reference is there yeah i'm not sure but um maybe we'll find out i don't know i did i it's not i didn't watch the next time on or anything like that but i did see some stills from the the next episode and i saw young jesse wearing the hat oh really yeah that's cool yeah i didn't watch the i've been I've been fortunate that I've that they place them after the credits yes so i've or i yeah they do because i watched last week or two weeks ago i watched accidentally but i was like yeah whatever yeah yeah anyway i like the because season one they were like right there yeah and i would always be like oh man and i, I get why you're doing that in season one like you want to it's your first season. yeah you gotta, you gotta get pe- you gotta roll people yeah. in yeah for sure but i'm glad that they're later because i don't watch them yeah i don't i typically don't watch them but i do like uh from sometimes i pull from the press stills for the images that go up on our posts so i okay. do see those sometimes but I did see one with the the younger younger Jesse actor wearing wearing the hat the down in the tombs. So we will get more uh, a little okay. more backstory on the tombs. But Sweet. Yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. We're still both seem pretty happy with what's going on. I I have seen some kind of uh unhappiness on the subreddit at least there are some people comparing this to season 2 of The Walking Dead being on the farm. Oh. Which that surprises me. I get it being in like one location, but it's only been like three episodes. And there's like, been a lot going on. Yeah. We've also left Angelville quite a bit. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the other thing is that it, it seems like the ratings have dropped pretty precipitously. Oh, man. That sucks. So, uh, you know, I was I was thinking, and I guess I shouldn't say it, and this won't be a promise of any sorts, but if for some reason the show comes to an untimely end, I wouldn't be opposed to finishing out this podcast with the comics oh so you you would read it i yeah i you think would, so i think it, it i think it would be fun to that go would be really cool do that so let's hope that that doesn't happen. yeah i i hope it doesn't happen that way uh i would like to read the comics at some point but i hope it's not because of that reason so. yeah tell your friends to watch preacher and then tell them to listen to us yeah it's a it's such a cool show. Like it's such a cool show. There's nothing else like it on TV, no, in my opinion. Definitely. So. There's nothing right. else like it in the comic world either. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny because when people talk about like the greatest, I see like all the time these topics and like Reddit and stuff. Like, what are the best? What are your all time favorite books? It always makes someone's list, but it should. And there's always somebody that's like, oh yeah, preacher. And then you'll see people just like chime in. Like it, it's often overlooked, but it's like never underappreciated. I always find some, I have some like a amount of appreciation for things in the comic world that stand out and are not capes and cowls. 
Oh, yeah. And, and this feels like it's one of those things where people who appreciate that stuff, everyone loves the Everyone loves Preacher. Yeah, we're getting, we're kind of getting back to an era that's really, at least in the actual comic book world, that's really heavily uh, featured. Man, I'm having a hard time with this sentence. <laughs> where books that are non-superhero or Cape and Cowl based are doing well yeah. and are very prevalent. Uh but you see those lists all the time where people talk about their favorite books and inevitably there are some superhero books, but they're harder to immediately recall because those characters go on for so long yep. that it's hard to hone in on a particular run, you know, yeah. but you always hear like uh Watchmen is always there. Mm-hmm. Like why the last man, that kind of stuff. And you usually hear like, you know, eventually you'll get to some specific like Frank Miller, Daredevil or something like that. Or like, you know, Hush. J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, yeah. Thor, right? Oh, yeah. I love that run. It's yeah. so good. So. But Preacher, inevitably, like people talk about it and then be like, oh, yeah, Preacher is so unique. And, and fans of Preacher are so fun to talk to because they just love it. And they, yeah. there's not really much negative stuff to be said, except unless you're the those ending. people that hate the <laughs> ending. Yeah. But it's, uh, it is it is such a... The fact that it exists is just incredible to me and when you it's fun i you know it's one of those things where i was too young when it was coming out to really read it i could have i guess but i probably i wouldn't have liked it as much yeah but when you look at the if you can find an actual issue of preacher it's so cool to look at because it feels like such a product of its time Hmm. and uh it just has this it just has this special feeling about it like uh like sandman sandman's the same way there's another one too that people always mention and Watchmen is too, but because Watchmen was 12 issues and just like was what it was. But Preacher, like it just has, you see it and you're just like, this is special. And yep. uh, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a blast. It's a great read. That, uh, that Steve Dillon art feels so nineties. Yeah. Well, and the covers were, I think they were all done by the same guy. It's not Steve Dillon. Yeah. And they're very unique too. They Glenn have this Fabry. Yeah. They have this really amazing look to them and all the character designs on the covers are different than in the books, which is really interesting. Yeah. They're like similar, but they they're don't not. all have Dylan face. <laughs> yeah, no, none of them do. And like Jesse looks like Johnny Depp on most of them, which is really interesting. And, uh, the scene of killers on the covers is so gross and just awesome. And uh, like, they're just, they're great. It's just, it's so comic book. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Beautiful. All right. Well, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on g2tpodcast.com. We're also on TV time, Apple podcast, Stitcher radio, and Google play music. We're also G2T podcast on Twitter and you can email us at G2T podcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, FX's The Alienist, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next episode of Preacher brings. But until then, go forth and speak the good word.